You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of a compilation of lectures by Rudolf Steiner entitled The Festivals and Their Meaning. This is Lecture 20 in the series in the book. It is the fourth uh, lecture in the Ascension and Pentecost series entitled Whitsun, a symbol of the immortality of the ego, given in Berlin on the 6th of June, 1916. To turn our minds to thoughts usually connected with the Whitsun Festival seems to me less appropriate during these grave days than would have been the case in earlier years. Mankind is passing through fateful ordeals, and at such times it is not always possible to call upon uplifting, heartwarming feelings. If our feelings are right and true, we can never for a single moment forget the suffering of our times. And in a certain sense, it is actually selfish to wish to forget it and to give ourselves up to thoughts that warm and uplift the soul. It will, therefore, be more fitting today to speak of certain matters helpful to the needs of our age. Our recent studies have shown very clearly that many of the reasons for the sufferings of the present time lie in prevailing attitudes and ways of thought and that it is vitally urgent to work for the development of the human soul in order that mankind may go forward to better days. Nevertheless, I wished at least to start with thoughts which can bring home to us the meaning of a festival such as Whitsun. There are three festivals of main importance in the course of the year, Christmas, Easter, Whitsun. Everyone who has not become indifferent as is the case with the majority of our contemporaries, to the significance of such festivals in the evolution of the world and of humanity, will at once perceive the striking contrasts between these three festivals. The difference in the kind of experiences associated with each is expressed in their outer symbolism. Christmas is a festival connected above all with the joys of childhood, a festival in which a part is usually, if not always, played by the Christmas tree brought into the house from snow-clad nature outside. We may also remember the Christmas plays so often performed among us, which for centuries have uplifted the simplest human hearts at this season by reminding them of the great and unique event in earth evolution when Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem. The festival of the birth of Jesus of Nazareth is a festival naturally connected with a world of feeling engendered by the Gospel of St. Luke, by those parts of the Gospel which make the most general appeal to simple hearts and are the easiest to understand. It is a festival of universal humanity, intelligible to a certain extent at least, even to the child and to those who have preserved a childlike quality of heart and mind. Yet it brings to such childlike hearts something vast and mighty, which then becomes part of their consciousness. The Easter festival 
is celebrated during the season when nature is waking to life, yet it leads our minds to the portal of death. By contrast with the tenderness and universal appeal of the Christmas festival, the festival of Easter contains something infinitely sublime. If human souls are able to celebrate the Easter festival truly, they cannot fail to be aware of its transcendent majesty. It leads us toward the sublime conception of the divine being descending into a human body and passing through death. The whole riddle of death and the preservation in death itself of the eternal life of the soul is the great vista presented to us by the Easter festival. These times of festival can be experienced in their depths only when we recall many things made real to us by spiritual science. Think only of the close similarity of thought and content between the Christmas festival and all other celebrations of the birth of saviors. We are reminded, for example, of the Mithras festival, which celebrates the birth of Mithras in a cave. This shows evidence of an intimate connection with nature. That Christmas is a festival linked with nature is symbolized in the Christmas tree, and the birth, too, leads our minds to the workings and powers of nature. But because it is the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, of which spiritual science has so many things to say, it is particularly significant in a spiritual sense. Let us also remember that the spirit of the earth awakens in winter, is most active during the season when outer nature appears to lie sleeping in a mantle of ice and snow. We can therefore feel that the Christmas festival leads us into elemental nature herself, and that the lighting of the Christmas candles is a symbol of how the spirit awakes in the wintry darkness of nature. If we would relate the Christmas festival to the life and being of man, we can do so by remembering how we are connected with nature when we have separated from her spiritually, as in sleep, when our ego and astral body ascend into the spiritual world. Our etheric body remains bound supersensibly to the physical body and represents the part of our being which belongs to elemental nature, to that same elemental nature which comes to life within the earth when the earth is shrouded in the ice of winter. Far more than an analogy, it is a profound truth to say that the Christmas festival reminds us, among other things, of our etheric elemental aspect, of the etheric body through which we are linked with elemental nature. If you think now of all that has been said in the course of many years about the gradual darkening and decline of human forces, you will realize how closely all such living forces in the human astral body are connected with processes of decline and death. The fact that we have to develop the astral body during our life, and that in the astral body we have to receive the spiritual, means that we bring the seeds of death into our being. It is quite incorrect to believe that death is connected with life in an external sense only, for the connection is most inward and fundamental. Our life is as it is, only because we are able to die in the way we do. And this is bound up with the whole development of our astral body. 
It is again more than an analogy to say that the Easter festival is a symbol for everything connected with our astral nature, with that principle of our being which, whenever we sleep, leaves the physical body. Each time we sleep, it enters the spiritual world from which that divine spiritual being descended, who in Jesus of Nazareth actually passed through death. If one were speaking in an age more alive to the spiritual than is our own, what I have just said would be recognized as reality. In our days, it is perhaps taken merely as symbolism. It would then be realized that one of the purposes of instituting the Christmas and Easter festivals was to remind human beings of their connection with elemental nature and with the spiritual nature that brings death to the physical to remind them that they bear the spiritual within their etheric and astral bodies. In our days these things have been forgotten. They will come to light again when humanity has the will to acquire understanding of such spiritual truths. But besides the etheric body and the astral body, we bear within us our most spiritual aspect, our ego. We know something of the complex nature of the ego. We know especially that it is the ego which passes from incarnation to incarnation, that its inner forces build the shape of what we draw toward us, so to speak, in each new incarnation. In the ego we arise at death to prepare again for a new incarnation. It is by virtue of the ego that we are individual beings. If we can say that our etheric body is in a certain sense akin to birth, and is connected with the elemental forces of nature, that our astral body symbolizes the death-bringing principle that is connected with higher spirituality, so we can say that the ego represents our continual resurrection in the spirit, our reawakening to life in that whole spiritual realm which is neither nature nor the world of stars, but pervades them all. And just as the Christmas festival can be connected with the etheric body and the Easter festival with the astral body, so the Whitsun festival can be connected with the ego. This festival represents the immortality of the ego, reminds us that we do not share only in the universal life of nature, do not merely die and pass away, but that we are individual, immortal beings, rising ever and again from death. And how beautifully this comes to expression when the Christmas thought, the Easter thought, and the Whitsun thought are carried further. The Christmas festival is directly connected with earthly happenings, with the winter solstice, the time when the earth is shrouded in deepest darkness. In celebrating the Christmas festival, we can say that we follow the law by which earth existence is governed. When the nights are longest and the days shortest, when the earth is frost-bound, we withdraw into ourselves and seek for the spiritual that is now alive within the earth. The Christmas festival is linked with the spirit of the earth. It reminds us ever and again that we belong to the earth, that the spirit had to come down from cosmic heights and take earthly form in order to be a child of earth among the children of earth. The Easter festival has a different setting. You know that Easter is determined by the relation of the sun to the moon 
on the first Sunday after the first full moon of spring, the first full moon after the 21st of March. The Easter festival, therefore, is fixed according to the relative position of the sun to the moon. We can, therefore, see in a wonderful way how the Christmas festival is linked with the earth and the Easter festival with the cosmos. At Christmas we are reminded of what is most holy in the earth, at Easter of what is most holy in the heavens. But the thought underlying the Christian festival of Whitsun is associated in a most beautiful way with what is even above the stars, the universal spiritual cosmic fire which individualizes itself and in the fiery tongues descends upon the apostles. It is the fire that is neither heavenly alone nor earthly alone. It is the all-pervading fire which individualizes itself and at the same time passes into each single human being. The Whitsun festival, therefore, is linked with the whole universe. Just as the Christmas festival is connected with the earth and the Easter festival with the stars, so is the Whitsun festival directly connected with each individual inasmuch as he receives the spark of spiritual life out of the whole universe. What is bestowed upon mankind in general through the descent to the earth of the being who is both God and man becomes individualized for each human being in the fiery tongues of Pentecost. These fiery tongues represent what lives alike in man, in the stars, and in the world. And so, for those who are seeking for the spiritual, this festival of Whitsun has a meaning and content of special profundity, calling ever and again for perpetual renewal of the spiritual quest. In our days, it is necessary that these festival thoughts should be taken in a deeper sense than at other times. How we shall emerge from the grievous events of this age will depend very largely upon the depth with which people are able to experience such thoughts. It is already beginning to be realized, here and there, that people will themselves have to make the effort in their souls to work their way out of present catastrophic conditions and those who have come to spiritual science should feel with even greater intensity the need of the age for new strength to be infused into the spiritual life, the need to surmount materialism. This victory over materialism will only be possible if we have the will to kindle the spiritual world into living activity within us, to celebrate the Whitsun festival inwardly and with true earnestness. The end of Lecture 20